This is the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast, where we're dedicated lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. I'm Chris Sims. I'm the BC Director for the CTF. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Franco Terrazano. So, Franco, you had the actual equivalent of fun in Ottawa. You got to present to committee uh, leading up to the next federal budget. Now, for folks who aren't aware what it's like to go to committee, if you've ever watched one of those big, fancy congressional hearings in the United States, if you've watched it on Fox or CNN or whatever, this is our Canadian parliamentary version. That's where members of parliament from all across Canada sit on a committee, in this case, finance committee, and they call witnesses. Uh, usually it's friendly, as it was here. Sometimes, though, it can be hostile. That's where they're summoned to speak at committee. So, so far, it looks like it was pretty friendly for you, Franco. What did it feel like when you were preparing uh, to give your presentation on the budget? It was a pretty cool experience. I mean, not too many people get to go to committee and present to the federal government, especially uh, budget recommendations. So that was really cool. And this was my first time uh, doing it. And, you know, I really wanted to do a good job. So Samer, you'll remember I asked you, I asked Kevin, our Alberta director, and I asked Todd, our boss, to just come grill me beforehand for about an hour. And you guys just pummeled me back and forth, uh, gave me all the the tricky, uh, tricky questions and, um, you know, I really took a beating from you guys and, and I'm glad that I did. I'm glad we did all that prep beforehand because I felt really confident going into committee. Um, and I think I did a pretty good job. And, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to get cr across to those members of parliament, you know, we, we understand that there's probably hundreds, if not thousands of individuals and groups that they're going to be hearing for all asking for more taxpayers money. So I may have been one of the uh, few individuals that was there asking for them to actually spend less taxpayers money. Yeah, it was a breath of fresh air. Uh, usually it's just like a soup line, you know, out the door with, you know, various groups asking for whatever reason for more taxpayers money. Whereas here at the CTF, we're one of the only ones saying, hey, everybody stop. But I just want to get more into your prep. Now, I know we were really rough on you. It was frankly almost an hour <laughs> and we threw everything we possibly could at him. I think I might have even said you can't handle the truth, you know, something <laughs> like that. Um, but to be fair, it, it can be a little nerve wracking. It's not every day that you go live uh, in front of all these folks. And it's a legal, legally binding document. You're giving testimony in essence. Um, it's being translated into all of our official languages. It becomes really part of the legal discourse of Canada. Like, were you nervous going into this? You know, I was a little bit nervous just because it, I hadn't done it before at the federal yeah. level, right? And it's kind of funny, but when we're prepping, we're, we're you, you always kind of prep for like the worst case scenario, right? So I feel like I had all the answers to all the tough questions um, that sometimes maybe I just forgot to prepare for like the softball questions. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm just so ready. I got my elbows up. I'm ready to go into the corner that every now and then you'd get a friendly question and you'd have to like, think about it. Like, huh, how do I answer that? Even though that should have been the, uh, the easiest questions. But I tell you what, another really cool thing is that it's, uh, it's videoed live. Right. So yeah. you were watching it live. A few of the other directors are watching it live. Todd, our boss, is watching it live. So I was getting uh, real time messages, real time encouragement, some tips, some other different types of strategies while I was uh, actually giving my remarks and in the Q&A. So that was a pretty cool little uh, innovation that helped. 
Yeah, for sure. We were uh, passing notes in class. Usually you wouldn't be able to. If you're there physically in person, it's one huge room. Um, if it's in, you know, the center block, which is now under renovation, it would have been in like, you know, the well, the railway room or something like that, a big committee room. And you can't or, you know, you'd, it'd be really obvious <laughs> if you walked from the bleachers and gave somebody something. And it was funny. I, I noticed there at first it was one of the MPs that had responded after you had done your opening presentation. And it was just something nice. Like yeah. instead of us, you know, throwing elbows into you, it was the feathered pass from the blue line. And you're like, oh, right. I did do that well. <laughs> and then you kept on talking. So let's take a listen. Uh, this is what a member of parliament from Calgary had to say after your main presentation. I'm going to start my questions here to uh, Franco Terrazano, Mr. Terrazano of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Thank you very much for what you do, what you bring to the table here. I tell you, I've been in Ottawa for two years. And often at all these committee hearings, we hear what we call rent seekers coming in and telling us how you need to fund us more through government. These are our programs. You need to fund us without giving us the other side of the equation and without any consideration for who's paying the bill at the end of the day. It's Canadian taxpayers that are paying the bill. So thank you for your work. Thank you for making sure you're here at these pre-budget consultations. That was really good. Uh, I, of course, listened to your full presentation twice because uh, we did it during the practice session where we were all pushing you around and being really mean to you. And then I watched the real deal and you did a really good job. Um, I was going to ask you to go back over some more details and some of the main points that you were making. But frankly, all of it is packed together in such a nice, tight presentation. Uh, let's just listen to the whole thing. And uh, now we'll move to the Canadian Taxpayers Federation and Mr. Terrazano for uh, up to five minutes. Well, my name is Franco Terrazano. I'm the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. We're a nonpartisan advocacy group that's been fighting for lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government for more than 30 years. And I would just like to thank you for inviting us to present today. 2070, that's when Canadians can expect to see their next balanced budget under the current trajectory laid out in budget 2021, and that's according to data published by the Parliamentary Budget Officer. Now that would add another $2.7 trillion to the debt tab, and taxpayers would lose out on about $3.8 trillion just to pay interest charges on the debt over those five decades of deficits. That's trillions of dollars that can't go to hire more nurses, reduce class sizes, or fix potholes, and that's trillions of dollars that can't stay in families' pockets to help with the groceries, or to make sure the kids get to hockey practice because that money would be going to the bond fund managers through interest payments. Right now, each Canadian's individual share of the debt federally is about $30,000. By 2070, that could reach $67,000. It's a massive debt that we're piling onto the backs of Canadians' kids and Canadians' grandkids. Many families right now are already struggling with inflation and are rightly asking how they're going to pay for this unprecedented amount of government spending. Of course, there's nothing technically stopping the government from balancing its budget long before 2070. But this government is using the cloud of COVID-19 to go on a debt-fueled spending binge. In the last budget, the government plans to increase permanent spending by more than $100 billion by 2026. And that's already on top of spending that had reached all-time highs even before the pandemic. In 2018-19, before the pandemic or any Canada-wide recession, the government spent more money than it did during any single year during World War II, and that's even after accounting for changes in inflation and population growth. In our budget submission, the CTF has outlined a plan to get the balance budget in 2023-24 by returning program spending to pre-pandemic levels 
adjusted upward for inflation and population growth. We are calling on the government to balance the budget by returning to all-time highs levels of spending before the pandemic. So how do we get there? Well, with the massive amount of money that the government has been borrowing for years, finding savings in each department should be like finding water in the ocean. Of course, the government must do the little things right. No more blowing thousands of dollars on sex toy shows in Germany. No more marijuana simulation kits for the military or spending thousands of dollars on red carpet parties for communication staff. The government must also do the big things right. No more giving 312,000 federal government bureaucrats pay raises during a pandemic and while their neighbors lose their jobs, perhaps their business, and take pay cuts. No more giving businesses like the Ford Motor Corporation $295 million. And we can't keep increasing the blank check the government gives to some premiers by $1 billion every year, forever. There must also be leadership at the top. That means ending the pandemic pay raises that MPs and senators continue to gobble up. That also means a governor general shouldn't be able to leave the role early after serving for only about three years and still be eligible to collect her pension to age 90, totaling about $4.8 million. And that also means ending the expense account for retired governors general who can expense taxpayers for more than $200,000 every single year for the rest of their life and including up to six months after their death. This government can balance the budget, stop piling on debt on a Canadian's kids and grandkids, reduce the amount of money that we're giving to the bond fund managers on Bay Street and avoid tax hikes by returning spending to pre-pandemic levels, which were already all time highs. Now, I assume you're going to hear from hundreds of individuals and groups asking for more money. I am here on behalf of 235,000 Canadian taxpayers across Canada asking for less. And for a little bit of added context, since I've been talking, about $1.3 million more has been added onto the debt. Thank you, and I look forward to your questions. Yeah, you know, it's it's so crazy. I, I, I still always have to double check the data just to make sure I'm right, because it's just so crazy that under the current trajectory of the last federal budget, we wouldn't see a balanced budget until 2070. Of course, that's from data from the parliamentary budget uh, officer. And, you know, between me and you, Chris, and maybe between our listeners as well, <laughs> I actually don't think Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is ever going to balance the budget. Remember in 2014, he said something like, wow, the budget will balance itself. And then uh, when he was first running for Prime Minister in 2015, he said he would balance the budget in 2019. Of course, he missed that target by a country mile. We just had another election last fall. Did even hear a peep on when the Liberals are going to balance the budget. So between me and you, I don't think they're ever going to balance the budget. And that's completely unacceptable. And that's why we all kind of got together. We brainstormed, okay, what's what's one thing that we can really do for taxpayers heading into this budget season, so to speak? And we decided let's let's create a huge in-depth report. It ended up being like 70 pages. And let's actually have a concrete plan on how to balance the books. And our recommendation was we found out through our analysis that we could balance the federal budget in 2023-24 simply by returning spending to pre-pandemic levels, which, by the way, were already all-time highs. That's an excellent point, and I want to call you out and give credit where it's due. Uh, let's is a contraction of let us. <laughs> the us here is you. Uh, you did a ton of work on this, and it really needed to be done. Here at the CTF, um, we have a multi-pronged approach. You know, we'll do the fun stuff like Patch Adams. We'll have stunts. We'll do balloons. 
can set dumpsters on fire. We can do, you know, the Teddy Awards. We do the fun stuff, but we really need the in-depth homework done because inevitably there will be another adult in the room, hopefully somewhere, somehow, especially in Ottawa, that'll say, okay, smart guy. Okay, smart gal. How would you balance the budget? What would you do? And it's usually you're faced with this impossible question of what do you want to cut funding to first? You know, women or children, right? Hmm. And it always becomes impossible. Um, but your report is super in-depth, very detailed, and you give really good concrete examples. Now, you can't go through the whole, you know, 60 whatever pages it was, but what are the main ways that you think that we could be saving money here? First is that we have to see across the board spending reductions. Remember, before the pandemic, spending all-time highs. So the way the government has been borrowing for years and years, finding savings in every single area of the budget should be like finding water in the ocean. Now, on top of that, we need to see leadership at the top, right? Of course, we've been talking about this for a long time now, MPs, senators, they can't continue to gobble up pay raise after pay raise while their own constituents are struggling. Of course, we have to talk about reigning in the bureaucracy. We've seen thousands of thousands of new employees added year after year. We've seen pay raise after pay raise as well. Uh, corporate welfare, that's something else we need to, to really put under the microscope. And we identified about $18 billion worth of corporate welfare announcements over the last five years. And that's not the, you know, the subsidies to help the restaurant or the gym owner down the street keep their lights on during government-imposed lockdowns. No, no, we're talking about like the hundreds of millions of dollars for large corporations like the Ford Motor Company. We also have a recommendation there on how the federal government could actually phase out out, completely phase out the equalization program. Uh, we called on the government to end the media subsidies to defund the CBC. And then obviously, too, we, we called for the government to end the gun ban and buyback. See, that's a lot of common sense stuff right there. Um, I particularly appreciate a lot of the work on like ending corporate welfare defunding the CBC. Um, I worked in media for 20 years. Uh, there's no way <laughs> that we should be spending more than a billion dollars in taxpayers' money on that institution. Uh, that has to go. You brought up uh, the gun issue. You brought up the gun grab. And uh, for some of our viewers, they might be wondering, why are the tax people going after the gun thing? Well, very clearly, it's because of what happened the first time around when they had the long gun registry. Back then, the liberal government federally said, oh, it's only going to cost a couple million dollars and it's going to make everybody safer. Meanwhile, they had this huge long gun registry that didn't do anything. It was a joke. It didn't make anybody safer. In some cases, uh, some people were actually able to register like soldering guns and stuff. It was really silly. And cost wise, this is the kicker. It wound up costing taxpayers billions, not millions. And it didn't make anybody safer. So we've been around long enough. We've been around 30 years. We've seen this movie before. It doesn't end well for taxpayers and doesn't make people safer. And you had a really good back and forth on Trudeau's expensive gun grab uh, during this committee hearing. Let's listen to that. One of your recommendations that you have for the government is to end the gun ban and buyback program. Yes. I'm just wondering if you had a chance to do a fiscal analysis on that and what your what what you actually are projecting that that's going to cost the taxpayer to on, on what a buyback program is going to look like. Well, thank you for that question, member. So the parliamentary budget officer has done a partial analysis and it could cost $756 million, but 
that's just a partial cost. That's only to reimburse uh, the, the gun owners. We, we have seen analysis done by a professor at Simon Fraser University who says that, well, the biggest cost hasn't even been factored in. And that's administration, that's staffing, which could add billions of dollars onto the price tag. And not only is it going to be expensive, but we've heard from the officers who are charged with protecting us on the front lines, the largest uh, police union in Canada. I just like to read a quote. The NPF said that the gun grab, it's not going to address, quote, current and emerging themes or urgent threats to public safety. And even worse, the gun grab and buyback could make Canada less safe because it's diverting resources from actually uh, cracking down on crime to targeting law-abiding Canadian citizens. And you got meatier even. You went past the gun ban and the gun grab, and you actually dove into something as complicated as equalization. Let's take a listen there. One other recommendation that you have that is of particular interest to me, because I hear about it on a daily basis from my constituents, is to phase out equalization. I would just like yes. to you to comment on that one further. That's correct. Uh, we have a we have a twenty. Apologies, I'm getting um, noise. We have a 20-year plan to phase out equalization over those 20 years. Next year, the prov some provinces would still get $19 billion. But one of the key concerns, I'm from Calgary. That's where, that's where I lived over the last few years. It's just so unfair. I mean, really, how many more Albertans need to lose their job before Ottawa understands that a $650 per person bill for Albertans is just too much through equalization? But it's not just Albertans that it's harming. Also, the, the residents of Newfoundland and Labrador, this is how absurd the program is, is that under equalization, they're considered a half province, but then you still have the federal government doing backdoor bailouts to that province. So we, we do think that equalization does need to be phased out over 20 years. And of course, we here at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, uh, we're always talking about tax relief and we're always offering great suggestions there. Your budget submission calls on the feds to scrap the carbon tax altogether, to reverse the pandemic pay hikes for the politicians, they got two so far, and to reject calls for higher taxes because they're inevitably going to have calls for higher taxes, stuff like wealth taxes, home equity taxes, that sort of stuff. Uh, you were also asked about the carbon tax and the rising bill at committee, and you gave a great answer to that one too. Let's listen. We do hear from a lot of farmers, a lot of businesses that the additional taxes, carbon taxes, fuel taxes are really uh, a pain. We've put out analysis that shows depending on the province between 31 to 42% of the pump price comes through taxes. So one thing we would like to see is some tax relief during the pandemic. We've seen a number of other countries around the world. We've seen Spain, France, they're reducing electricity taxes. We've seen South Korea reduce their gas tax by 20%. So we've seen other countries provide their citizens with relief. But unfortunately, we've seen Ottawa uh, stick their constituents with a higher tax bill. And if I'm not mistaken, that's supposed to only increase on uh, April 1st. And no, it's not an April Fool's joke. Um, <laughs> do farmers get back more than they pay in carbon taxes in Canada? Well, you know, I've, I've heard that thrown around sometimes, but it's really magic math to think that the government is going to hammer us with a tax, then somehow make people better off. The, the truth of the matter is that the carbon tax is causing a ton of pain. So are boost taxes, which continue to go up. So are payroll taxes, which continue to go up. The first rule of government during a pandemic should be first 
do no harm. But as you mentioned, the carbon tax is set to increase to the third time during the pandemic. Um, it's supposed to continue to go up all the way to 2030 to where it's nearly 40 cents per litre. Also, we have a second carbon tax coming in through few regulations, and you mentioned a rebate, but as far as I'm aware, there is absolutely no rebate with the second carbon tax, which could add another 11 cents per litre to the price of gasoline. All right, so I think you hit all the major bases, right? Uh, you went after just general spending, you went after high taxes, you specifically got into things like carbon taxes, uh, you went against the gun grab, you said that we shouldn't be funding things like corporate welfare and the CBC. You went after pandemic pay hikes. And what I really liked best about it, again, is that you didn't just wheel in there and say, OK, well, we need to turn all these federal buildings into a, a per fee bingo hall and go scorched earth and fire every single bureaucrat that's ever existed. No, you had very practical examples you basically said we need to revert back to pre-pandemic spending and you explained it very calmly and thoroughly. I, I think you did well, but I think we're also our own worst critics. So you were the guy that was doing the practice runs with us and I'm sure you probably practiced in the mirror a few times. How did you feel uh, coming out of this first committee appearance that you did? You know, I think it went so well that we're going to get a balanced budget this spring. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe not that good. Maybe I love my your optimism. Uh, hey, yeah. might as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe not that good. Maybe my head's a little bit too in the skies now. You've been, you've been pumping my tires so much during this <laughs> podcast, but uh, I mean, it let's in, in all honesty, joking aside, I mean, it, it feels really good to get this under my belt because you know, when I was the Alberta director and, and Chris, you do the same thing all the time too. We present to municipalities, we present to the provincial government, but it is different to now be in a new city in Ottawa, trying to build my reputation and, and to be presenting to the federal government is different. And Simmer, I mean, obviously I had some nerves because I really want to represent the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, our supporters and taxpayers across the country as good as I can. So of course I, I had some nerves, uh, but, but I think I did pretty good. I think we got our message across. But really, one thing that I had to keep reminding myself is that, look, it's not about this one presentation and it's not about one person. It's about day in and day out. And it's about all of our supporters, mobilizing all the taxpayers that we have supporting the CTF to keep the pressure on these big spending politicians and to send a clear message that like enough is enough. We can't continue to pile on more debt onto the backs of Canadians, kids and grandkids. You did it well. Uh, we have more than, you know, 230,000 supporters. Uh, we hear from a lot of them every single week. They're from all walks of life. I think the general feeling from most of them is that they're done. They're tapped out. Uh, they can't afford to pay anymore. Some of them are barely hanging on. And I think you represented their concerns very well uh, with reason, with data, with some good humor and some good back and forth with elected parliamentarians. And so you planted the flag and represented very well. You did good, kid. <laughs> you did. <laughs> no worries. And now, you know, for our viewers and our listeners and especially our supporters, you can kind of do what Franco did there. Okay, you can you can speak truth to power. And that's the beauty of our democracy. If you want to see balanced budgets, lower taxes, you know, scrapped carbon taxes, no more gun grabs, all that stuff, go to our website, taxpayer.com. We've got dozens of uh, petitions that you can sign there. And that means that you're joining our army and you're building with us. And I encourage all of you, pick up the phone call your member of parliament. It is your right as a Canadian to firmly and politely speak truth to power. 
just the way Franco did. And now you'll have all this ammunition that you can use that is perfectly balanced and reasonable. So head to our website and check that out. Franco, thanks so much for doing this, man. Hey, man. Always a pleasure. You bet. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening. And thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.